arts are everywhere and in everything. And there's a fascinating, unique person and story behind each one. And that's what the Arthropologist is all about. Exploring the arts, one unique person and one unique story at a time. I'm Bill Wilson, and I'm the Arthropologist. Welcome to The Arthropologist. I'm Bill Wilson. Today, we have a really special guest. This is a young lady who is a ballerina. She is a ballet professor and an aerialist. And on top of that, she's my sweet, really relatively new daughter-in-law, Catherine Wilson. So welcome to the show, Kat. Thank you. All right. So tell me, you are a ballet dancer. How long you been dancing? Uh, for 25 years. Jiminy Crickets, but you're only like 27 or so, or 26. Almost 28, but yeah. Almost 28. Wow. Wow. Okay. Um, oh, that's fantastic. And you're, you're a professor now. You also, where do you teach? And, and tell, tell us a little bit about what you teach. I teach at Belhaven University in Jackson, Mississippi, in their dance department. I'm an adjunct in the modern division, so I, I teach Modern One, which is our freshman course in, uh, in contemporary dance. And then I am also the director of dance production. So I instruct all the students in stagecraft. Um, I teach the production course they're required to take, and I train all of the crews for all of the concerts that the department produces, which is um, about six to seven concerts per year. Wow. Okay. And you've got your own uh, dance company. I do. It's called Kinetic Edgings. It's also based here in Jackson. Um, it is a small professional dance company. We do mostly contemporary work. Um, so that's new pieces that we create with choreographers. Uh, we do have a series of classical ballet that we take into elementary schools as an introduction to dance. So I get to, to dig into my ballet background every year at Nutcracker time. Um, and then uh, we occasionally do some aerial work as well if the facilities are there to accommodate it. Okay, and that actually is a direction I wanted to go a little bit today. Um, I saw one of your Facebook uh, uh, posts where you were just spinning like a little top, and it was just amazing. Tell us some about, about what you're doing, what you're doing when you're, you're on the silks. Yeah, um, so I got into aerial through modern dance. So um, aerial is a relatively new offshoot of modern dance. It borrows a lot from circus, which is a very traditional art form. Um, and you've probably been to a circus, you've seen uh, that format of uh, creating a work to show off your, your strength and agility and um, for the, the tricks, you know, is, is kind of the term. Um, what I do is use a lot of that vocabulary and then integrate the, the dance training that I have as well. So this is kind of a hybrid thing that came out of the 1970s, really. Um, but I was introduced in college by a professor who uh, was trained in this, and I just, I got hooked. It was uh, the best thing ever. It's the closest thing I can imagine to dancing without uh, gravity. If you can be in a zero-G environment, you know, it's kind of what it feels like. Now, I've, I've watched you perform, I've watched others perform, and it seems to me that this takes an incredible amount of strength to be able to do. 
Yeah, it's, um, it's a long training process, just like dances. Um, it uses different muscles, but a lot of the same vocabulary, a lot of the same poses. Um, being a dancer is really helpful because your feet are already um, articulated. You already have great core strength and you have um, the spatial awareness. So if you're upside down and spinning and trying to move your leg behind you, knowing where that is intuitively is really helpful. Um, but okay. it takes a lot of training. Yeah, and uh, just asking about the strength portion, you know, physiologically, uh, girls and women don't have the upper body strength that men do. So is it more challenging or less challenging? Are, are you using some physics tricks that don't necessarily require as much strength as, as you might think? Or is it just girls have to beef up their upper body strength to be able to do it? Um, it's kind of a combination answer. You do have to have good upper body strength to sustain yourself and be safe. And a lot of that is actually your grip strength, um, okay. which is your forearm, wrist, um, things that we don't normally use now that we're adults and we're not climbing on monkey bars anymore. Uh, Hence that's the, something... um, the uh, lumberjack hands. Yes. <laughs> yeah, if you're on a, a solid apparatus, that happens a lot. Um, and you do have to have upper body strength to sustain it. But a lot of the apparatuses are actually we're created, uh, the vocabulary is created with women in mind. So it's actually a lot more core strength and using the momentum of your, your pelvis, which is the heaviest part of your body and using your core to lift that maybe over your head to go into an inversion or something like that. So as much upper body strength as it it's really more about your core for silks and Lyra, which is the two apparatus that I'm most familiar with. There are other time? things. What was that? Uh, Lyra. What's that? Lyra. Um, it's the metal hoop that you saw in the video. So oh, it's called okay. hoop or lira. Um, both terms are correct. It just depends on where you are in the United States, usually, and what people refer to it as. Right. Now, and with the silks, I remember, of course, Cirque du Soleil, they do that a lot. And then, but were you saying that, that silks really started more in the 70s? Um, yeah, well, the uh, I think the earliest known... Um, mention of silks as an apparatus in circus was at the turn of the century. So okay. it was a circus apparatus. Um, what I kind of refer to as aerial dance, which is more what you think of as um, circus ole. So something that's a little more story or character oriented. Okay. Um, as opposed to traditional circus, which is very trick oriented, very uh, presentational to the audience. And you are, you are yourself on stage doing the things you have trained to, to do as opposed to being a creature or, uh, you know, some kind of uh, more theatrical work. Um, okay. So, so you're, you're, you're talking about, you're actually in your position, you're telling a story more so than a circus performer who would just be trying to do some stunts that would get people to ooh and ah, but they weren't necessarily trying to follow a storyline. Correct. Yeah. So if you watch any of the Circus of Olay, they're really uh, sometimes termed like new circus because they, they utilize a lot of those storytelling elements um, with uh, amazing, you know, tricks, amazing strengths, uh, feats of strength that, to, to tell those things. So um, it's kind of getting blurred now. There was a big distinction about 40 years ago between those two thoughts and which was better and which way you were trained. Um, but now they're kind of overlapping and more circus um, uh, performances are going towards Circus Soleil. You know, that's kind of the direction circus is taking, which is where aerial dance was anyway. And we were kind of borrowing their vocabulary to create dances in the air. 
Well, now I will tell you, I've watched uh, some of your performances and some other aerial performances. And I will tell you, sometimes you, you just scare me to death because I will see that you're up, looks like eight, 10 feet off the ground. And then you'll do some sort of a release and plummet down to just within inches of the ground. And I guess you've got the silks where it's going to knot up just in time. How dangerous is that? It just looks scary and, and potentially fatal. Um, aerial work can, can be dangerous. You can get injured, uh, just like with any other dance or sport. There's risk of that. Um, you can really negate those factors by good training, um, by good spotting techniques while you're learning a new trick, you know, having somebody there with you. Um, so those things can be negated and you usually always train with a mat underneath you. You know, you want something that's um, rated to what you're doing. If you're doing something just a few feet off the ground, you can have a lower mat. If you're 20 feet in the air, you want a crash mat that's, you know, four feet thick to catch you. Right. Um, so you have to be really smart and you have to be trained and you have to have people around. You should, shouldn't train by yourself. You shouldn't um, you know, attempt things that you haven't been instructed in, that kind of thing. So there's a big push in the aerial community to be really aware of those factors. And that keeps injuries down a lot, you know. Um, well, but just you, like ballet dancers, you can get injured, you know, by accident. You can miscalculate. Right. Do you teach aerial as well? I do. Mm -hmm. What's the youngest that you would be comfortable teaching aerial? Does it matter? Yeah, I mean, you want kids to be mature enough to follow directions. Um, it is kind of nice to teach children sometimes because they're they're smaller and lighter, and you can you can catch them. Uh -huh. You can literally catch them if they <laughs> fell out of the the hoop or the or the silks or whatever. Um, but you need them to be you need to trust them enough to follow directions. If you say, okay, that's enough, come down. Mm -hmm. You know. So um, the youngest that I have taught has been about uh, nine years old. Okay. So, okay. So yeah. you don't have four or five year olds doing aerial okay okay so about nine that'd be about nine, eight nine something like that would be yeah there are schools that will teach younger but it's often team teaching with uh another instructor and it's special equipment uh, the equipment has to be smaller if they're much younger than that um so you have to have you know specially sized trapeze or or different things to accommodate to them uh i was all of a sudden just flashed in my mind i was thinking about i've watched uh, people being taught um, on uh, in gymnastics, and they would have a belt on where they would have a couple of bungees, I guess of some sort, suspending them so that even if they fell, they couldn't go to the ground. But you really couldn't do that with the silks, could you? Because, or can you? I don't know. It would most likely get tangled. That's what um, I was so, thinking. so what you do is you would learn anything that's a new move a new trick or a new vocabulary piece you're adding to your students uh, you would do it very either on the ground or very close to the ground up several inches is what we're, what we're talking about you know something that they could just put their other foot down and come out of it okay. um, you don't let them get several feet off the ground right you keep using a word that i want to get you to define for everyone because you keep saying your the vocabulary and it doesn't seem like that's a word as much as a a technique or, or something? What do you mean when you say learn the vocabulary? Well, um, most aerial is not as defined as, say, ballet or even modern dance. Um, so if you go into a dance classroom, 
you have a set of exercises, you have plies, tendus, you know, things that are done in a certain order and that I can go to another country and take a ballet class. And even if I don't speak the language, I can follow the instructor. Oh, okay. Okay. Aerial um, is just not as well defined uh, yet. We're working on it. There's been a really big push from all the educators in the area to, um, to add that, to create things that if I do this certain move, it's called the same thing across the entire country or maybe even the world. Okay. Um, Cause right now there's what's happening is you'll go into a studio and you'll say, I call this, you know, um, you know, a, a cat's cradle, but someone else may call it something completely different, but it's the same move that either they've been taught or they've just figured out on their own, you know, how to right. do, but now, if we is, can't speak the same language, it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> is this something that as a person gets older might would be attractive to try to learn because uh, I know with dance joints and things like that can begin to show some wear and tear, maybe your feet would being an, an aerialist, would that be less stressful on the body or more because you're doing, uh, you're, you're stressing different parts in a different way? You know, it's, going to be similar to uh to dance or, or maybe swimming even there are different levels there's recreational levels of training in this and there's forms that are really conducive to that kind of thing um, aerial yoga is a big thing right now it's really? done in a piece of fabric that's in a sling and the sling actually assists to take pressure off of your joints and you can invert safely just a few inches off the ground to stretch your back out um, there are a couple different applications so um the older aerialist I know that maybe came to it as an older person looking for exercise tend to gravitate towards more aerial yoga or um, recreational programs that are uh, just geared for that. You know, they might be in a class that's adult beginners, that kind of thing. So you have that all the way up to Olympic style circus LA performers, you know, who are doing extremely dangerous things. So you can train right. it at kind of any level, just like dance. Right. Okay, well, was there any more you wanted to talk about with the aerial arts? Um, I don't know so, enough to even ask a good question. <laughs> no, uh, well, I think it might be good to talk about how the aerial community is responding to the coronavirus, too. Well, that's where I wanted to go. Yeah, so it's been a, an interesting dynamic. Um, I think a lot of art forms that are very apparatus-based or very equipment-based you know, are suffering a lot of the same things. All of a sudden, these, these people who are in the midst of their training, whether it's a recreational student who does this for fitness or someone who wants, you know, this to be their career and is in the middle of an intense training season has been um, cut out from access to mm -hmm. their training facilities. And uh, this is really specialized equipment. You don't just have a beam in your house you can rig from safely, you know, uh, right. for most people. Right. So, so uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, go, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say that I think uh, the aerial community is really struggling with how to, how to address that when they don't have access to it. You know, some of us have our own rigs, which are like independent structures that have been made to be performed on. And so that's really helpful. But probably 90% of the people doing aerial do not have access to something like that. And so they're 
doing home conditioning to just try to negate some of the, the grip strength, you know, being lost or, you know, their ab strength being lost. Um, right. And I do know that you had said that uh, you and Emil are my son, your husband. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, that y'all are teaching um, through zoom that you're trying to actually keep up with your students through zoom. I can only imagine you know, myself as a painter, I can at least have my students hold up a picture and say, hey, well, how does this look? But for you, you've got to have someone getting into a stance, getting into a position, and rather than being hands-on and actually putting your hands on them and saying, no, lift your leg higher, twist a little more, well, you can't do that. So what are you, the challenge, how are you overcoming that? Yeah, well, for a traditional dance classroom like ballet or modern, um, at Bellhaven, we're, we're trying to address that with our college-age students. So we ha we're working with adults, you know, that this is their focus, so that's really helpful. Um, but their college-age students have moved back in with mom and dad and are mm -hmm. in their childhood bedroom trying to dance in a two-foot-by-two-foot two <laughs> piece of, you know, <laughs> landscape that they have. Um, so we're, we're trying to... Um, to, to come up with things that they can do within that space and that they can do on their own. So a lot of the professors, I assisted with them pre-filming some classes. So they went into the studio before COVID really hit and we were you know, told we couldn't do that anymore. And so they pre-filmed several classes that they're gonna post over the next couple of weeks and ask the students to do and give feedback on and film themselves. Um, some faculty are doing Zoom calls just like this and they are going to gallery view and giving a combination and then looking at all the little boxes and trying to give some kind of, um, you know, corrections as they can or a general group correction. Uh, for the aerial, I haven't been teaching over Zoom. Uh, nobody that I interact with has access to the equipment. So we've done um, some like conditioning exercises, most of, the, most of which they know from class. They can continue doing on their own, but without the equipment, um, it's very hard. And when you, you teach aerial, uh, you, you heavily spot beginners. So you literally are taking their body weight and putting oh. them in the right position, which is just isn't possible if you have to be six feet away from them. You know? Yeah. And then of course, with dancing, um, you know, there's just only so many solo dances you can do. Most dancing is predicated on only at least two and sometimes groups. So at some point, I think that would be probably where everything is suffering the most is you just can't interact with a partner. You can't do the lifts or you can't do, I don't know all the terminology. Uh, I teach ballroom dancing, but we don't do you know anywhere near what, what y'all are talking about. So, yeah. So I think people are getting really creative if they are having to fulfill like creating a solo or creating um, a duet over Zoom, you know, I've seen some really creative things on the internet of people, you know, doing that, which is kind of neat, you know, that, um, that they're able to do that. But I think if you were in the midst of working on something, it's really unfortunate. You know, our dance company was working on a whole new ballet uh, and we are, we just had to stop, you know, <laughs> there wasn't a way to, to continue uh, setting a new work. We've met several times and had class and checked in with each other and gone over choreography that was already set. So just to review and keep it fresh in everyone's mind. So that we are back together, it's less of a chore to put the piece back together. 
But wow. um, I really, I don't, I don't know. I'm sure there are people getting really creative with creating new works over Zoom, but I, I haven't gotten that far <laughs> to figure out how, how to do it effectively. You know that I think this makes us really so aware of our our art is performance art. It has to be, you know, interacting with other people and the wow. audience. You know, a, a video is great in a crisis, but just doesn't cut it in real life. You know? Right, right. One thing I did want to add was I just saw a picture you posted of your hand and the first thought that I had was how can such a pretty girl have lumberjack hands? Uh, well those are actually called circus kisses that's um, something that is a bruise or a callus or some, some small injury nothing major that you incur in circus so um, I am working on a new apparatus I'm working on a hoop uh, which is different than the silks, which is the first thing I tried in silks. And uh, the hoop is really different, and there are calluses in different places, including all along my hands now. Well, there you go. Circus kisses and lumberjack hands. You heard it first on The Arthropologist. Before we end this, was there any more uh, information you want to give us, or anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, um, I'd love for people to look up our dance company and see Absolutely. some of our videos. Yeah, it's called Kinetic etchings um, and we are kineticetchings.org if you want to look up our website we're also on instagram as kinetic etchings and facebook same thing and we have a youtube channel as well so you're going to be able to see a lot of our work but uh, we create original works we do a lot of educational programs so i encourage anyone who is an elementary school teacher in the area to um, to take a look at us that we love doing that and introducing kids to dance that's a that's a big passion of our of our group um, you know, many of us were introduced to dance through something similar like that, and it, it changed our lives. And so it's kind of our chance to give back. Um, but we also do uh, events, we do uh, festivals, we do um, all kinds of things. If you have an event coming up for a nonprofit or, um, you know, an arts council or something, we're a great addition, you know, something really different. Okay, wonderful. Thank you. And for those who are watching, no, my door didn't just throw up. It, uh, the mailman just visited and he dropped mail through the slot. So uh, uh, welcome to, you know, live filming in your studio. Uh, but Kat, thank you so much. Good luck. Hope everything, you know, we hope we can all get back to work soon. Yeah, me too. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode of The Arthropologist, there are more episodes on YouTube. To see my work, you can visit my website, BillWilsonStudio.com, where I have my books, prints, and originals for sale. I am a portrait painter and illustrator, and there you can contact me about commissioned work. I'm Bill Wilson, and I'm the anthropologist.